So now it's become a management game when it comes to time. I think that's the big thing that uh, the main character that I'm thinking of right now is just the fact that at this point it's early morning. The, this is, again, as a reminder, early morning is from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. Now, that's not exactly ideal when we're going for a conversation starter, because most people are likely to be asleep at this point, especially how the system is set up. Uh, spoiler alert, most people are asleep between 12 and 6, as tends to be the case in society. Uh, as a result of this, I think rather than do some exploration, because I also have to take into account my own fatigue at this point, I've been awake for... Uh, multiple segments at this point uh my fatigue right now is a five which means i'm allowed to be awake for five periods so it's running low as well nobody's really going to be here and i'd rather find a way to talk to people when they're awake than try to find a way of exploration while everybody is asleep so as a result i think this early morning period i'm just heading straight back to uh the scarlet jester lodge and go to bed so i, I think walking uh out of the shop just heading straight back to the lodge at this point uh, and gonna take advantage of the fact that uh, nobody else is really outside as far as I can tell and just go straight in go straight to bed room 201 walk inside there's a lot of questions on my mind right now we've got a couple of passes that effectively allow us free access to certain areas of the city and we've got this list of nine Pokemon that I somehow have to find while also taking into account the fact that I don't have a lot of time to do so. As a reminder, right now, it's the morning of day two, right? Early morning of day two. There are only the rest of day two, which is another three segments, and then four segments a day after that. I'm still going to have to take a rest as well. I haven't been able to find or purchase anything that can, you know, emulate some sort of energy drink that can keep me awake for extra time periods. So, uh, you know, already this is a tall task where I have to save five different communities. And on top of that... Uh, try to figure out what's going on in the process and why all this is happening. I've made my decision on what I wanted to do, but at the same time, I'm not exactly anywhere closer to what I want to do. So as a result, I am going to take that uh, opportunity to rest up now that I can. With seven periods left, I have to find a time to uh, rest somewhere in between here. What that's going to be, I'm not 100% sure, but it's, it's something to take into account nevertheless. So sure enough, early morning goes off, day rested, or I've rested as much as I can. Unlike in D&D &D and in other systems that I've run, there isn't really a full rest type of situation. It's just, uh, based on how we've broken up these segments, you have to pick a period to take a rest in. And so I've decided to do that early morning, trying to take advantage of the fact that everybody else is asleep, to also get some, get some rest in myself. Because I'd rather do this than try to have a conversation with people during the day so the next morning early morning 6 a.m bright and sunny day well i guess the sun would be rising at this point wake up in the morning back at the scarlet jester lodge trying to think where to go at this point we've had a few conversations with a few folks uh talked with a, a researcher had another meeting with patrick uh the mayor but uh now it's kind of just where do we go from here our main task or at least my main task the thing that i prioritize has been looking for this healer and the fact that i'm nowhere closer to looking for them uh, is something of a concern. So what I think I'm actually going to do, and uh, based on the way that everything is set up here, I can kind of do this. In this daytime period, I think, because traveling to another location uh, and doing something there is possible, uh, all these communities are relatively close by, that traveling doesn't cost, you know, an entire six-hour period. So what I think I'm going to spend some time doing today is traveling to the other communities that I haven't visited yet, so as a reminder, uh, I've been in the city for the most part. And then the other day, I went over to the volcanic uh, volcanic section, the volcanic um, district, I guess is the best way to describe it. I went over to the volcanic district and noticed the volcano was going to go boom, right? So that itself uh, sort of checks that off my list. But I do want to get a little bit of an idea of what the other communities are like. And since the, uh, the oceanic community is so nearby, the oceanic district is almost a subsection of the city itself. It's kind of... Uh, Part of the city's walls and then spreads out into the water itself i'm going to take advantage of that and try to check that out so i think early morning after a quick breakfast uh and small conversation with uh emmeline uh the tavern owner i head out on in search of the oceanic district now it's not terribly hard to actually visit itself i think we're relatively close to where the district is kind of just rotate around um and sure enough we reach 
uh, the Oceanic District. You can see a sign as we walk up to it, and a wooden sign. It almost looks like it's been taken directly off a ship, uh, a classic old wooden ship, where the sign clearly reads, uh, Welcome to the Docks. I guess that's what they call this area. Uh, and looking here, as I mentioned previously, this is much more... Uh, medieval is not the right word. Classic, maybe, compared to the city itself. Uh, where the city has taken full advantage of technology and then some of the buildings outside the city are even more advanced, this is where you want to go for your classic community. And sure enough, the moment you walk in, you can not only breathe the oceanic air, you can smell the salt water uh, that everybody knows when you go to the ocean, the beach, or to the docks. You can start to smell uh, the, the uh, distinct odor of fish and fishermen and the ocean in general, the entire sea kind of washes upon us as we walk into it not literally of course um but that's something to keep in mind and also as well maybe we can find some of these pokemon though frankly uh looking at this list uh there are very few that i actually recognize although maybe it's some pokemon that are only found in atri city or something like that so uh sure enough we head over to this docks area look around uh and notice we can see something across the sea itself we, we head over to the edge of the docks at this point we're literally on the primary dock area here. It's a large, sort of simplistic plank of wood that just extends out for a distance, uh, and ships being tied to it. A few ships have already left off in this early morning time period. Uh, there are some that are coming back, supposedly doing a night shift, if you want to go with that. Uh, we walk through on this plank, and we can see in the edge, edge of the horizon, a small bump. I guess is the best way to describe it. You look at the horizon, we look at it, and we can see the horizon being as flat as it normally is, right? Uh, across, when you're looking across the, the entirety of the horizon, when, you're, uh, when you've got a great view of everything. And we see the waves kind of bobbing back and forth, but mostly it's a straight line, kind of blurring between the sky and the water, uh, a vague fuzziness as the waves sort of splash up and down, kind of uh, hiding the sky behind it. Uh, but straight ahead, as we look out into these docks, we see a bump that isn't moving. That's, it's not like the waves, it's not a big wave or anything like that. It's a pretty distinct bump. It looks like a small like hill, if anything. And we get flashbacks to our meeting itself where we remember, yeah, there's an iceberg coming at us. That's probably it. It's the early, it's the early morning. I mean, it's about seven o'clock at this point. So, and we know that this is gonna hit tomorrow night, right? It's, it's about a day's journey away. You know, icebergs aren't exactly the fastest things in the world, but that's definitely about a day's journey away uh, and is definitely something that we need to keep in mind as we go forward. But after getting a little bit panicked about that, uh, I think the idea is to look around and see if we can find anything or anyone of interest. And after a bit of examination, a bit of moving around, uh, we notice somebody on the streets kind of just walking by. They look vaguely familiar. And sure enough, oh, that's right it's the it's the one it's the representative what's her name uh what's her name it's it's ray ray right ray ray we kind of it's just butter out a bit like ray right is that you uh and sure enough ray turns around as a reminder ray uh small almost like late teenager uh orange hair uh kind of cut into a bob cut so to speak uh wearing this sort of watery cloak at this point turns to us and just looks at us confused. And then a brief hint of recognition from the previous day's meeting, the early morning meeting that we had, kind of washes over her as Ray turns to us and it's like, oh, yes. I, you know, that's sort of like, oh yeah, you're that guy. Uh, and Ray looks like uh, bringing back some sort of bag full of goods. Not 100% sure what that could be, but uh, turns to us and walks towards us. Oh, hello. Uh, you're the, you're the, the assistant, right? The helper? person? Yep, that's, uh, that's me. Uh, Ray, right? Yep, that's me. Um, what can I do you for? I, what's, uh, what you doing in the Oceanic District? Have you decided to help us? Uh, Ray says with, uh, sort of like a gleam in her eye, like, yes, he's chosen a new mission. Um, well, I, of course I aim to, but, uh, I was just genuinely curious as we point over to that bump in the ocean. That's, that's the iceberg, isn't it? Uh, Ray's expression kind of alters a bit. <sighs> yeah, that's the iceberg, all right. It's coming at us really fast. I mean, I'm not exactly a, a king when it comes to ice, ice materials and everything like that. Uh, you could ask, um, you could ask the old fisherman. Uh, we just call him the elder one. 
but yeah, you, you could ask him more information about it because he's he's part of the Oceanic District, but very very knowledgeable about ice type Pokemon and different communities. I think he used to live way up north uh, b beforehand. That kind of moved over here after a while. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he might be able to help you a little bit more when it comes to icebergs. Uh, if you're interested in figuring out a way to stop that, but uh, yeah, not sure. Uh, you said I think you mentioned the other day that uh, you were riding on your Mudsdale. I don't think Mudsdale is going to be a particular fan of reaching the iceberg. Uh, nor do I think the way that it's progressing forward, uh, we'd, you'd be able to stop it particularly easily. And as we turn around, we can see the iceberg. Has it has it gotten bigger since our since this conversation just started? That can't be it. It's an iceberg. It doesn't go that fast, does it? And if it's going that fast, does that mean it's, it's that big? If it's growing already, and it's already that big, that far away, kind of shudder at the thought, don't you think? Um, uh, sure. Uh, also, uh, could you help me out here? As uh, I think we pull out the uh, this this list, the list of uh, of Pokemon, and we kind of hand it to Ray. Like, hey, d d um, there's a uh, uh, Professor uh, Professor Cotton. Um, in the in the governmental building, uh, he asked me if he could, if we could assist in looking for these Pokemon. I think he'd be able to assist me more once he finds them. Do you know recognize any of these? I'm gonna make a roll here. I've been doing rolls off the sides, but I'm gonna start talking about them now. I'm gonna make a roll here for I guess it would be our charisma. So I've rolled already to figure out if I recognize any of these Pokemon and did not roll well. We'll say that. Um, I think I don't have any mod. Oops. Probably hear that. I don't have any modifiers as of now. Uh, we're running with flat zeros for now, at least. Uh, as you'll probably know, they increase over time. You can just hear all those dice falling down. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't have any modifiers. So I'm, I'm kind of rolling for charisma to see if I can persuade my friend here, Ray, that I've known so well for so long. Uh, you know, you, you, you want to you wanna help out here a little bit? Just uh, give me some answers. So, uh, yeah, as of now, no modifiers as of yet, so let's see what I get here. That's a four. So, uh, I'm going to start. I, I, was, I was being pretty bad about mentioning rules in the past, uh, but I will do that going forward. I think Ray uh, kind of gives the, the list a, a brief look, like a quick scan, and then notices behind us the clock. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have, I have to go to a meeting. Um, I, I guess you could ask the, the elder for more information, but I, I really have to go. I'm so sorry. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you later, okay? Maybe. Okay, bye. I was gonna hear my chair probably roll. Uh, and Ray kind of quickly shuffles out of the way, grabbing, like holding on to that bag that she has really tight, um, and heads on back. Goes back to wherever she's going. Looks like she's heading for another building uh, inside the docks itself. Docks, uh, the buildings themselves are pretty congested for the most part. I think. Think of like. 1890s London type of congested. Like all these buildings are classical, like a lot of them are wooden and uh, you know, shipping dock type of uh, type of buildings, but they're really like packed in, in this area. Uh, and we see as we turn around to watch Ray leave, uh, she kind of just ducks into a, a pathway in between a couple of buildings and just disappears at that point. Uh, so, Good news, we have somebody that could help us. Bad news, not sure if they can, but we'll find out nevertheless as we walk inside the uh, the room, the place, the building that uh, Ray was pointing out where uh, the elder fisherman lives. We walk inside and see what has to be basically a replica of a captain's quarters, right? Like, I, I fully picture the elder fisherman when we walk inside to be in a room that has that classic like you walk down into a ship's uh to a ship's belly is that what it's called uh the captain's quarters there with like an area for a map to be laid out you got a couple of like kegs of whatever drink probably water uh though you know we we know fishermen these days uh lying on the side it's very wooden very rustic very much like this this building is about to be a ship or vice versa and uh just full-on captain feeling and as we uh we kind of knock on the door uh you can see this through the windows we, we knock on the door and uh it's got a nice little like classic uh knocker you know with like a, a, a creature on it that we're not completely can we recognize what this creature is Let's see if we can recognize what this creature is this is probably an intelligence roll 
That's a 14, so that's a mixed success. It looks like some sort of old... It looks like a powerful water Pokemon. This big sort of fish. And that's about the energy that it gives. But what it exactly is, I'm not 100% sure. It's, it's vaguely familiar. Maybe I read a book about it somewhere or something like that. Uh, but it's definitely got old water energy. Give it a couple of knocks, and then you just we just hear an old, 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 old man in the back. Just like, uh, yes, uh, one moment. We hear a couple of shuffles on the inside. Takes a full, like, 20, 30 seconds. Uh, and then the door slowly opens, and we see, uh, we see an old man with a with a uh, with a with a cane. He's not quite full on pirate level. Uh, we just see an, like an old man wearing um, almost like a vest. I think uh, we've got uh, a sort of brownish vest, a yellow shirt, uh, generals and slacks or something like that, uh, wearing sandals, white hair, mostly bald at this point. He's got like the back hair a little bit. Uh, clean-shaven looks at us. Oh, hello! You might be... who exactly? Oh, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm uh, new in town. I'm a, uh, a friend of Ray's. A friend of Ray's, are you? <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Uh, gives us, like, a quick look. I just rolled to see he had... I just rolled to see if we could argue that we were a friend of Ray's after meeting once and having amicable conversation. Gives us a quick once-over. I don't think I've recognized you. You're, you're from out of town, aren't you? Um, yes, yes, I am. Well, come inside. Made a cup of tea if you're interested. Uh, sure. Um, I'm happy to. And he slowly walks inside. We walk inside and sure enough, get more of a view of this captain's quarter. From the windows, we could probably see, like, the map-making area, a table, uh, the kegs in the corner. And as we walk in, we see the rest of the captain's quarters on the side. It's one single, pretty large room. There's no back or anything like that. Um, beds on the left-hand side with a few other items. There's a bookshelf with a bunch of books and old scrolls and other things like that. Um, and there's a couple of chairs that we kind of pull up and uh, sit down. And after a few moments, uh, the, the old fisherman uh, kind of walks to us with a couple of plates. Um, for an older man, uh, and we're, we're talking like 90s probably, if you had to take a stab at his age. Uh, for, for such an old man, he's got remarkable control over everything. No shit, because I think over time, people, as they get older, tend to uh, just, you know, with everything not being as strong, tend to shake a little bit. Uh, despite old age and everything, he his hands aren't shaking. Uh, he's walking with clear confidence, and you can, we can already sort of tell. Let me say, actually, can we tell? Oh, yeah, with the, with the 17, we can tell. Uh, not only was this, this isn't just some ordinary captain. This is clearly a top-tier person. Uh, in this in this community we can tell his energy his aura itself screams i know what i'm doing if that makes any sense uh but hands us a cup of tea with a, a small little plate sure enough this again old man uh not necessarily considered a person of we, when we walk into the room we don't see wealth but the cup that we're using the plate that we have this is wealth right here it's not spending it on here, here I am making a, a big statement. It's not spending it on classic cars and stuff like that. It's spending on things that matter, like cups, plates, things like that. Um, the plate itself, uh, not only not from this area, this might not even be from this region, honestly. The, the weird designs and everything, uh, very fancy, you can tell that, and very uh, strong as well, I think. Uh, it's clear that this isn't type of this isn't the type of plate that would just when you drop it it smashes right. But at the same time, the intri intricate designs on the plate, the cup itself matching it perfectly, we're getting a lot of this information. Uh, it does help that I rolled a full success, but we're getting a lot of this information from uh, the elder fisherman as he walks in. Um, excuse me, uh, do you have a uh, what, what do the people here call you? Oh well, my name. Hmm. The name escapes me. It's been so long since I've used my actual name. Everybody around here just calls me the Elder One, because, <laughs> as you can tell, uh, I am quite old. <laughs> uh, certainly. All right, uh, Elder. Um, I'm, I'm actually here for a bit of advice. Oh, interesting. Many people come to me for advice, but the questions aren't always up to snuff. What, what type of advice would you like, my friend? Um, so, I've... I've been called upon, along with the other representatives and the mayor, to uh, deal with the issues that are happening recently. The the elder kind of looks at us with confusion at first, and then 
looks out the window, and from his from one of the windows that he's got, you can get a clear view of uh, of the ocean and everything like that, and can see that giant rock. Or you know, we know it's the iceberg, but that giant bump in the water slowly approaching us. Ah, uh, yes. See what you mean. I assume that's part of it. And uh, kind of slowly points at the bump. Yes, that's uh, that's part of it. Um, intelligence suggests that that is an iceberg. Oh, interesting, interesting. And you can see his mind starting to like get moving. Uh huh. His ideas are starting to flow across him, kind of like um, not like a Rolodex, like the uh, uh this is going to be a weird thing, especially for I'm not necessarily sure if other countries do this, uh, but way back in the ancient days of like 1990, uh. In those days, the internet was not as big, and so if you wanted to go through the newspapers of the ancient days of prior to 1990, uh, rather than just looking it up online, there would be a, you would go to like City Hall or the library or something, and go through like film, not, not quite film. I, don't, I can't remember what the exact name is, but it's a way that like it just scrolls through all the all the old newspapers, all effectively scanned in to this giant canister of film that you can just scroll through to try to find. It's like that in his head. Just scrolling through different ideas uh, that he's thinking about. And then looks back at us. So, any ideas beyond the fact that it's an iceberg? Solutions? Problems? What's what's your game plan, son? Um, right. Game plan. I... I'm not sure, to be honest. The problem with the ice It looks like it's coming at us and it's coming at us fast. And it feels as though... By the time I would be able to deal with it, it's already going to be here. And so that basically means that I have to find a way to cross the ocean and deal with whatever it is. And I don't have the equipment for that. I packed very light, let's say. Sure, sure. Yes, that makes sense. Um, ice types are a bit of a specialty of mine. Back in the old days, I used to uh, run a ship and it, it uh, went across the great ocean in the north. I, I heard a bit about the Ray. Uh, where, what, what exactly, who exactly uh, you know, did you deal with? How, how would you deal with icebergs like this? Although, I, you know, if you've had situations like this before. Sure, sure, ice. Well, that's an interesting question. There's really two options, but the options that we have are not exactly things that I currently can help you with. But I, I can give you advice, all the same. Um, sure, sure, absolutely. Well, see, it kind of, it depends on the iceberg itself, and that unfortunately requires you to visit it, which you naturally have suggested to me doesn't exactly feel like it's uh, part of the plan. It depends on the style and the make of the ice. There are really only two solutions, melt it or move it. Melt it or move it. Melting it makes sense. I suppose we could get a very powerful fire-type Pokemon and... Let's see if that's useful, but moving it? Yes, unfortunately, fire types uh, aren't exactly uh, my forte, as you may know I very well. I uh, don't deal with fire type Pokemon too often. When it comes to moving it, though, that's a different question. Uh, that leads... Again, that itself is a question I can't exactly answer, but... The easiest solution would be to find a way for the iceberg to not hit the docks, but instead hit an area that's unpopulated, perhaps a few miles uh, east of here, where there's no land, there's no, there's nothing really, it's just plains. At the very least, at that point, it wouldn't impact anybody uh, severely. That's a good point, but how would we move it? That, my friend, is the hard part. There's a variety of ways you could do this, of course. You could uh, use the water. You could change its path by directly impacting it. Cut it, cut it down to size, so that the waves lead in a different direction. Honestly, you could probably, that's just, you know, just as likely, go with more lucrative, you know, interesting and uh, out there ideas, maybe not lucrative. Uh, you could pick up the iceberg. <laughs> that would be an interesting idea. Though how you would do that with such a big item, I fail to know. Interesting. Um, do, <laughs> I hate to ask, but would you be able to assist with that? Oh, that's the problem. See, Pokemon that I've had work with me and I've had a number, are all either on other expeditions or as part of the style at which we were able to uh, run our ships. Don't take kindly to strangers. They aren't going to be listened. In fact, very many of the Pokemon 
that you'll meet and converse with on a day-to-day -day basis, if not wild, are likely not to listen. How so? It's part of Atri City itself, you see. Atri City is, uh, very isolated. Pokemon here, when, uh, traders are able to bond with them, are very loyal, but as a result, then to stick that loyalty with that one trainer that they were able to stick with. Even if the other trainers, uh, lend you their Pokemon, it's only to a certain extent you need to prove your worth to them. You know, it's not as simple as just giving you control of a friend of mine, you know. You have to trust them, you have to bond with them, that, I think, based on how that is moving, as he points to the iceberg again, I don't think you have the time for that. I suppose you're right. Uh, thank you very much, sir, for everything. I uh, very much appreciate your assistance here. Not at all, not at all. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to come back. I'm happy to converse. You seem like a nice person. I think, I think uh, you'll do well if you can focus and get your resources. You might be able to solve some of the problems that we've seen here at Iceberg and other the things that the mayor's had to deal with the starts. Now, uh, take care when you're heading back. Uh, I will uh, see you in the future, I suppose. Oh, th thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the tea as well. Can I place that back? Not a problem, not a problem. Until next time. And leads us out the door. And that's our daytime adventure there. More information about that. There's at least an avenue. So weirdly enough, we're getting some information here. Not about the specific item that I was interested in, but it's interesting nevertheless. There's sort of a plan. It's weird. For some situations, we know what's going to happen, but we need to figure out how to stop it. The iceberg coming at us, the volcano erupting. For others, we know what's going to happen when we fix it. The problem is fixing it in the first place, right? We don't know how to do that, aka finding the healer, figuring out what buildings are erupting. Uh, the, the, the landslide is sort of a mixture of the both. But here, with this, the iceberg now at least has a pathway. Based on an ice expert, as the Elder Fisherman is, we know what we could do. The real question is how can we do it, right? Mudsdale is the only Pokemon that we have that is, as stated by the Elder, uh, loyal enough to us. We have the bond with Mudsdale to the point where if we ask Mudsdale to do something, Mudsdale is going to be able to do it, or at least attempt to. But that doesn't help us because by the time the iceberg gets to an area where Mudsdale is effective, we're in a lot of trouble regardless about that iceberg in particular. If we could deal with the iceberg and then the other disasters happen, then that's fine. We can figure that out at that point. This is interesting, though. So if we can find some sort of either Pokemon that can move that iceberg or just some powerful fire type that can burn it, melt it down so that it just turns into a giant wave, maybe, that would be beneficial to us at the end of the day. A few ideas have actually popped into my head, but the problem is how we can apply them, right? That's the biggest issue that we have. Because when it comes to Pokemon that can move waves, how, could we, how do we have to find a Pokemon that is powerful enough to move a gigantic iceberg via waves? That's not likely to happen anytime soon. And then on top of that, if, if we instead go for the melt route, well, we have some people, or at least some potential people, that could probably have a fire-type Pokemon that can melt it, but again, we don't know if that's going to be successful, right? If we get a basic fire-type Pokemon, that can melt a little bit of the iceberg, but maybe not enough for it to completely dissolve in the water itself. And how do we get them there, right? If we get a ship go over there, that would take a lot of time to travel over to the iceberg that is charging at us, by the way, and then somehow be able to launch the fire-type Pokemon on there or use some sort of flamethrower from, from the ship that we're at and also not burn us down in the process, right? That's, that's another thing we need to keep in mind. These ships aren't like the real-day ships where they're basically fire and missile-proof, right? They're just a bunch of wooden ships. You know, some are better than others, obviously, but all of them are very much uh, fire... not fireproof, whatever the word would be for that. So I think with those ideas in mind, we end up using our daytime, uh, also looking around the docks a little bit more, and again, getting more of a feel for the water community here, for the oceanic community. We've done this. It's now time to go eastward. We can use this to effectively get two things done at once. We can go east not only to go to the forest and mountain uh, district, but also to look at that plains area that the elder fisherman was talking about and see, would this be a good spot to move that iceberg? We also don't know how big that iceberg is, because we can only see it from a distance, and uh, it's coming at us, A, fast and growing significantly, so not exactly ideal for us, 
but it at least gives us an avenue, a suggestion. Maybe we can check that out as well. So that's what I'm going to do during this afternoon time. I think the afternoon, I'm heading east, and I'm looking not only to see and feel out of the community in that area, but also check out this large spot of land. So we head out from the city. Uh, we go back down around, head out to the single gate that is open now, uh, with a few casual conversations with a couple of folks that are walking by, nothing too spectacular. Uh, and then immediately head out. We're heading eastward. In fact, we're following the path that we let us in, though quickly afterwards, we kind of shoot to our left, kind of walking on the grass at this point, hoping there aren't any farmers here that are going to yell at us. Uh, we avoid... Do we avoid everybody? Actually, let's find out. We avoid everybody with an 18. Uh, avoid any sort of loud commotions or anything like that. And uh, eventually reach the sea on that side. In fact, we can see from where we are, maybe about a, maybe 100, 200 yards away, uh, the, uh, the walls of the city itself that, are, that lead to the docks which you can also see as we look out towards the sea in that area, uh, we see the docks, and specifically the large dock, the dock, so to speak, uh, sticking out with a few ships coming and going as well. Uh, so we're basically following that coastline, uh, heading sort of northeast-ish is the direction that it's heading. Um, and it's going on for, for miles and miles and miles. As we're uh, checking this out, we're walking on that sort of area. Um, we just walk into, again, like the elder said, just this large area of land that's on the coast, uh, slightly elevated from the ocean down below. I'd say it'd be about a good, good 15, 20 feet maybe, uh, down to the the sandy area, uh, almost like a mini beach, so to speak. Uh, so we're a little bit elevated up. It would be a pretty tall jump to do. I don't think I'm interested in doing that right now, although Mudsdale would be able to jump down there if we were interested. Uh, but uh, as I spend this time kind of examining this area, potentially this is good? The idea and the area in mind is huge. It's definitely fine from that perspective. The only issue is whether or not the iceberg will be able to land here and not just charge straight through, right? Depending on how fast that iceberg's going, uh, it could either, A, kind of just plop onto the beach, where now we effectively have like a winter wonderland in the, in the northeast of the, of the city, or... B, it kind of just charges straight through, cuts through the area that I'm standing on right now, and ends up hitting the farms that are behind me. Uh, that's a worst-case scenario. In which case, not exactly ideal to redirect it this direction. But we've got that idea in mind as we continue heading eastward towards the forest area. And sure enough, after a bit of a walk, uh, we start to see the trees start popping up. And when I say popping up, I mean popping up. It's, it's one, then three, then twelve, then fifty, then an uncountable amount of number out of nowhere. Until eventually, uh, as we get to a certain point, we look up and we can barely see the sun behind us. And this is probably a sign that we should follow the path at this point. Uh, so we walk back out, walk around, see the path uh, that is sort of veered off from the direction that we had come in from. And uh, that area, unlike the, the forest that is just mere feet away, this area is clear. It's clear not only that... People have cut down the trees and uh, all the obstructions from the sun in this area, but also that they've kept some of the things open so that it gives a nice sort of shade if necessary. Uh, today's weather, though, pretty solid, though a bit warm, if I had to say so. Uh, walking in this direction, sure enough, we see uh, not much action. It seems like not many people are walking on this road at this time, and reach eventually this sort of wooden community, I think is the best way to describe it. We walk in and there's this large, almost like a gigantic crop circle where it's just cut out. There's no trees there. But also at the same time, it's a pretty decent sized village, right? Number of houses that are there, smoke coming out of their chimneys, um, and some action here. It seems like most of the people uh, are either in their final destination, whether walking to another community or in this area themselves. Uh, we walk in, look around, uh, and sure enough, we see a, a fine community here. Uh, full of people that are joyous. There's a couple of kids that are running around trying to play tag, uh, and everything's just nice and hunky-dory, which is all the more hurtful when you think about the fact that in 36 hours, this is all disappearing, right? Nevertheless, uh, after that somber thought, we uh, continue walking around, just kind of giving a look for everything, what's going on, and how everything is. Uh, there's a few glances at us. Does anyone try to talk to us? No, nothing. Not rolled high enough for a conversation. Uh, everyone kind of looks at us just with a questioning look, because we're a newcomer. We look like a newcomer. Uh, but ultimately, nothing too uh, weird or interesting about that. And we continue forward. Um, 
after a bit of looking around, we're getting the feel of this area. This area is very much just calm, cool, collected. Uh, but at a certain point, um, we see the, the main area. This is the, if there's any person that we know, it's uh, the representative for the Earth community in this area at this point, uh, who uh, is uh, Bevan O'Neill, as we mentioned previously. And he's very much a professional, very out of touch, considering the sort of uh, style of this area. This feels like a village where everyone wears like loose, loose outfits, right? Movable outfits. And then meanwhile, Be Bevan's like this suit and tie, fedora hat type of guy. Um, and we reach his place and his place uh, sort of fits that same atmosphere. While everybody else has classic log houses, his is a bit more polished, right? His is a bit more stony. His is a bit more uh, professional, I guess is the best way to describe it. Uh, and it's clear as well, his sign is right outside his door. This is represented. This is the representative's house. Uh, it seems like when uh, in this community, uh, you get to move into the stone house, I guess, when you become the representative. Um, and so we take this opportunity. We give a knock. You know, we have, let's have a conversation. Uh, just, you know, can I do this properly? Let's see if I can. Maybe that was good. I don't know. Uh, I'm moving my mic in the process, which is never a good sign. Um, and uh, after that, a uh, few moments and opening the door is none other than Mr. O'Neill. I thought I was told not to be dis- to- Oh, hello. Um, hi. Sorry, is this a bad time? No, no, not at all. Please, come inside. Uh, and we walk inside. Sure enough, we walk in. This is pretty, pretty comfy spacing. Uh, it looks like- looks like an office, I think. He's transformed the, the living room, so to speak into an office and there's a couple of doors that lead to rooms that are behind it. There are stairs that go upstairs, um, a fireplace that uh, as of right now is not on. There's windows that are open as well if the breeze come in. Um, but for the most part, this feels almost like a like a sort of imitation of uh, Patrick's office, the mayor's office. Uh, not quite the same, but the, you can see aspects of that that have entered into this area, into this room. Please, please sit down. Let's have a conversation, shall we? Um, sure. We sit down, kind of confused at first, because it feels like almost, you know, out of nowhere, just like, oh, welcome, let's have a conversation, you know, uh, it's sort of confused. Um, but we sit down, uh, Bevan does as well, uh, with some sort of bottle, I guess? Not a little, like, like an alcoholic drink or anything like that, just a bottle, um, probably of water, honestly, as he takes a swig of it, and then puts it down, gathers some papers around, starts moving them. So, I believe you're here for proper advice on anything that you can do to help our poor, poor community. Um, yes. I was just curious about more information about the, the forest and mountain community and, and everything about that. I see. He looks a bit disappointed, but uh, quickly masks it over and then uh, begins his little monologue. So unlike the other districts of Atri City, the Forest and Mountains District is actually a combination of two different districts, the Forest and the Mountains themselves. They have merged together as of approximately 50 years ago, I would say. And, you know, the, the two communities have worked together in harmony over those past 50 years. Now, they together have resulted in a fair amount of accomplishment. In fact, I'm originally of the Mountains District myself, though, uh, as representative, I get to stay here in the forest area. I don't like his tone. I'ma make a roll. Let's see if I can sort of wisdom my way into his actual feelings about this. I guess that would be more of the insight. That's a nat one, ladies and gentlemen. He's hunky-dory about everything. I don't know what you're talking about. This man, his tone changes. It's like, ah, yes. Welcome to our humble abode. You know, like, full on excited about this. And we're just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, go on. Completely oblivious to any undertone. So... The forests and mountain districts themselves are a, I'm biased of course, but I would say they are the most interesting and diverse district out of each of the ones here in Atri City. Uh, the forest district you're in right now, and the mountains are further, further eastward, so to speak. Uh, you head over there, you go over to large mountain areas where there are caves and other, other buildings that have been built based on the mountains themselves. We've been able to mine some of the rocks other materials there to build a well-industrialized city, almost. A very, very powerful district that uh, itself is well-adapted to most things. The problem, however, comes in the fact that we are not, we, we are not prepared 
significant damage from the said rockfall that we've talked about previously. Right, right, you mentioned that a bit further. How exactly... I, apologies if I'm rude here, but I, I feel like a city built in the mountains would be prepared for rockfalls. Yes, you would think that, wouldn't you? Well, it's a bit more complicated. You see, this rockfall is not anything unusual per se. We've dealt with them in the past. In fact, there's an entire system dedicated with a number of different uh, servicemen and others that work together to basically eliminate such problems. Rockfalls have occurred over time, and we've been able to stop them. The problem is, well, the sheer volume. It's clear, we can tell, uh, a lot of our ground-type Pokémon have been able to find out that this area is far, far more... The rockfall itself, the area that it covers, is far larger than that of what our normal systems can handle. Okay, I'm actually intrigued. How exactly have you stopped it in the past? Very good question, and I'm happy you asked. He gets a full bulletin board full of slides and everything as if he's been preparing for this conversation his entire life. Well, you can see here on this diagram, and sure enough, it's a decent-sized map of what can presumably be the mountain district, mountain sub-district of the Forest Mountain District. And its city, to be honest, isn't built in the best place. It's built right ne like next to the mountain. Like, somebody could climb up a bit, chuck a rock off, and hit a building, right? Like... Not exactly ideal location, but what they do have are a number of different caves and other aspects that they've clearly been mining into that are a bit of a distance away. Uh, and the mountains itself seem to be in the, in the best place where rockfalls tend to not slide down. Think of it like a weird game of Plinko, where uh, if anyone's watched The, play, the Price is Right, uh, Plinko is the game where you have a circle disc and drop it and see if it bounces across until it lands in a certain spot. The way that this mountain has designed, the city itself, while built right next to a mountain, is also built in this weird sort of crevice, where if rocks are falling down, they tend to slide off one side or the other, and the mountain itself gives a sort of cover for most of the, the mountain's district. The mountain village, I guess is the best way to describe it. Uh, there are some areas that are exposed, and that seems to be what he's referring to when it comes to uh, the, the, the plan that they normally do. So you see here the actual uh, mountains town itself. Mountain town itself. Uh, this area here, and he points to that uh, covered area, uh, area of the town. This area here, here is actually, uh, by the mountain's grace itself, actually not exposed to a standard rock fall. These skirmish, this little edge areas over here, and he points to a bit of the, the city on each side that's exposed, uh, clearly because they've just been building out at a certain point, you just run out of covered area. These areas here are generally exposed to some of the smaller rockfalls that we've been talking about. Now, typically, if there are rockfalls, A, our rock and ground type Pokemon are actually able to see them in advance and sense them. Uh, we have specific people that are there sim simply to test out and, and notice when problematic situations occur. They're able to tell as early, because the mountain is so large and everything like that, uh, they're able to tell as early as multiple days in advance, as you can tell here, uh, though quite maybe not quite three days, which is a bit extreme. But usually what happens, uh, rock falls tend to fall down if extra rocks are falling in the direction of these specific areas, then we're able to actually send our ground-type Pokémon uh, along with a couple of others, uh, our ground-type Pokémon are actually able to take advantage of that by basically waiting for the rocks to come in and creating a sort of shield using their ground-type energy. They are able to uh, effectively make a sort of sand shield that prevents any major rocks from falling through, breaking through that sand. Instead, they sort of bounce off, uh, and or if, if they're decent enough and some Pokémon are powerful enough, they're actually able to erode the the giant rocks down into small bits of sand that are not harmless, you know, that are, aren't harmful at all to the actual people themselves. And then generally speaking, afterwards there's a bit of a cleanup community uh, that goes through and then breaks those rocks down to different sizes. Sometimes those rocks actually have some interesting minerals that we're able to take advantage of in our creations and construction and everything like that. Uh, I, I think w during this entire conversation, uh, we're kind of mentally taking notes of just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, like that. Um, and then over time, just kind of like, yes, I, I, I get what you're saying. That's very interesting. Um, sure. Uh, so what's the issue this time, then? That, my friend, is the actual problem at hand. You see, the rocks are normally 
this big. And he pulls out like a couple of items, uh, like, a, like he pulls out like almost like a tray. And there's items as small as like golf balls and baseballs. And the biggest thing on there is like a giant watermelon. You see, by the time they fall that much down from the, the mountains themselves, the mountain itself has broken some of those pieces off. We don't really get large pieces. You know, the biggest thing, the biggest piece we've ever had was about the size of a golem, uh, but that was a rare instance. The issue that we have now is that all of them are huge. The smallest one is probably this watermelon. Okay, I'm still not sure why your strategy wouldn't work. Ah, yes, you see, the, the strength level of our Pokémon are able to work well with smaller objects like this. But if we've got rocks the size of people falling down, that's not ideal. Our Pokémon are not powerful enough to stop that. Okay, um, apologies if this sounds crass, but it's only affecting a small part of the city, right? You would think, but the way that they're designed and the way that everything is set up, those rocks are just going to bounce through this entire city. The amount, the sheer volume of them makes it so that even if they roll off to the sides, they'll pile up until eventually they've got no place to go, but filter into the city itself. And then at a certain point, because that's a little bit higher uphill, those will start rolling down, destroying a number of the number of trees in the forest until it eventually reaches here, the forest community, which isn't ideal either. Ah, uh, I see. That's that would be a problem. So, so you, you're willing to help us? Well, of course, but uh, I'm not sure if I have the materials necessary or even know what to do. We see a bit of like uh, Bevan O'Neill uh, was really getting into the conversation. And then afterwards, like, oh, okay. You're, no, 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 you're right, you're right. <sighs> well, I, uh, I'm glad I could at least help in the clarification process, uh, explaining what our plight is. Uh, if you if you figure something out, let me know. Until then, uh, I do have other meetings to get to. As a clear sign of like, well, our time's up. You haven't helped me out, bye. Uh, I, I'm happy to... That's fine. <laughs> you can leave now. Okay, um, I'll do my best. Just gives us a nod and it lets us go out. I think a good opportunity at this point we can also use to explore that mountains area. We can use that to finish off the rest of our time here uh, and maybe have a chance to explore things a little bit more. Um, so we walk through that path that Bevan was suggesting. Uh, and this is another path that's cleared up as well. And we can see the terrain sort of change. It went from pure forest and now there's a bunch of smaller rocks and bigger rocks that are going, less trees are showing up uh, until eventually we'd sort of transitions into uh, a sandy, area we can easily see the mountain which was covered by the forest's pure volume uh once we walk out a certain distance the trees as they stop populating we start to see aspects of that mountain until eventually bam it's like right there in front of us and we can see it from the city itself but this is right there in front of us, and it is huge looking up at it. uh looking around the city itself it seems like the majority of people are sort of inside there's not many people working right now they're sort of uh, sort of mentally preparing for tomorrow's big ordeal a number of people uh seemingly that squad that bevan was talking about that tend to take care of the rock slides is out already again and it looks like they're preparing with a few pokemon we see a few pokemon a couple of ground type pokemon here and there that are effectively preparing their attacks for the inevitable rock slide that's going to occur ultimately though and because we have to go to the the south to talks to the plains uh plains district uh, we don't spend a lot of time here. We kind of just look around, see what's going on, and then start walking down southwest as we head to the plains. It's now nighttime. The sun has started to set. We've had a lot of exploration and talking with people today, but ultimately we need to find a way to make some knowledge out of this. We haven't progressed on any of our tasks, and we really only have three more segments because I've been awake for the morning and the afternoon, I'll have three segments, but then I'll have to go to sleep in the afternoon and then wake up through the night and everything's panicking. So ideal thing right now, probably best case scenario, is that I try to figure out something to do tonight, go to sleep for the early morning, and then spend the rest of the day trying to see if I can solve any of these issues. But we head on down towards the plains, and the plains is probably the most suburban, I guess, of the four areas, while the, the main city is a city in and of itself, especially for this region, uh, and the water, water area... Uh, we didn't even explore half of it because most people live in the sea, I guess. Uh, the district takes advantage in a portion of the sea itself. Uh, and then the other two areas that we visited so far, the volcanics and the forest slash mountains areas, are more villages. This is just 
like wide, spread out, more farmland and everything as we head on south, and things have calmed down as well from here. No longer are there as many trees, but the breeze has really picked up in this area as well, and we can really take advantage of that and notice that uh, as we continue forward. Eventually, we reach yet another village. This is clearly the Plains Village, uh, and we see a number of people in the center of town surrounding what looks to be like a fountain or some sort of well. Many of them are sitting down and many of them are uh, praying, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, we kind of stop, a, 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 we stop in a, a gentleman who uh, looks like they're heading in that direction as well as we kind of just like, um, excuse me, um, what, what's going on? Uh, and the, the man who uh, is not an actual character will just throw out some random guy, so I'll just use my regular voice. Uh, just goes, oh, so we're, we're praying for our healer to return, because that's our only option. Uh, you're, wait, what? You're, you're praying for the healer to return? Is the healer a god or something? No, no, nothing like that. It's just, we're out of options. We need to find the healer, and we we, we have to find the healer. The healer's clearly a big person in this community. Uh, we've kind of got the gist from that there, but now it's kind of settling in, like, oh, this community needs the healer. Uh, um, I understand. Uh, do you perhaps know where Io is? Io, as a reminder, is the, the wind representative. Um, I, I, I need to have a conversation with her. Yeah, sure, uh, Io, um, has already done some praying herself. I suppose you could go to the main building there, the big building over there. She's likely to be there. And we head on over there, uh, after a quick thank you. We walk inside, and this looks like it's a giant library, um, full of books and a few people are wandering in and out. There's a librarian that's kind of sitting there uh, talking with somebody else. And as we look around at this, uh, as we look around at this library, uh, we we do see Io. We see Io in the back corner, kind of just somebody. Let's see what a role says. Uh, frantic is the best way to describe it, with an eleven. Uh, though we're not quite sure why exactly. Uh, I mean, we can take a stab at it. I mean, it's probably something to do with the healer. But frantically, like going through books, skimming through pages, trying to look for something. What it is, we got no clue but looking through something. Uh, and we walk over to Io. Um, just like, um, yeah, hello, Io? Uh, looks up at us and then quickly composes herself. Um, any, any sort of emotion has been taken out now just looks at us. In the split second it takes for you to look from down to straight up has gone back to a calm phase. Any sort of emotional turbulence that may have happened, that may be happening prior to our conversation starting, uh, disappears at this point and looks straight at us. Oh, hello. Um, well, you're the helper. Yes. Uh, welcome. How how are you? Uh, I tried to roll to see if I can understand why she's doing what she's doing, and I did not, so I'm going to... I did not get good roll. Uh, that was a five. Uh, so, it's either five or six. Either way, it's not a good roll. So, um, uh, instead, we kind of just um, go straight into the conversation. Uh, yes, Io, um, I was wondering if I could have a conversation with you. I just... I'd like to know a little bit more about the healer. Sure. Sit down, please. I insist. There's a few chairs, and we kind of grab one, kind of look through the books. Um, a lot of them in a language that doesn't look familiar at all to us. Uh, the few that we do understand are kind of just random medicinal books, but ultimately not able to make any conclusions from that. Uh, we turn to Io some more. Um, uh, yes, uh, sorry. Um, so, so who exactly is the healer? Is this, like, you an elected person, or is this somebody with special powers or something like that? Sure, I suppose it should, uh... Need some explanation. Puts a bookmark in the book, kind of sets it aside, and turns to us. So the Plains area itself is very different from the other districts. I'm not sure how much you've explored over the past few days. Um, a bit. I've explored a bit. Well, you, the, the Plains district itself, um, I would say is more religious, maybe? More spiritual. Let's go with that. We're definitely more spiritual, and as a result, we think, and it's sort of evidence, some base. Uh, that spiritualness has helped us gain special powers. Some of that being uh, explored by different individuals, uh, and a few of those people have those powers themselves. What type of powers are we talking about? Powers of Pokemon. I'm sorry, what? You mean, like, for some reason we're whispering now. You mean like, like, move powers? Like, ability powers? Yes. Some people have, uh, been blessed by the Pokemon above, and as a result, have those special powers for themselves. Wait, whoa, 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 this... I'm sorry, what? I've heard of people 
like bonding with Pokemon and being powerful as a result of that, but to actually be one with a Pokemon, basically? That's effectively it. I mean, it's it's a gift that one can theoretically reach as a level of pure trust between you and your Pokemon. You can eventually gain attributes, gain the ability to to use that Pokemon's powers without them being there. But it's a it's a very either it's a rare thing or it's a tough thing to accomplish. There are technically there are all sorts of you know books about how you can become a Poke powered one yourself. I'm not sure what the official terminology is. Um, but it's either rare and it's a gift, or it's incredibly difficult to do. But nevertheless, um, yeah, so the healer, uh, the healer is one of those people. So, so, how? Well, I guess it's kind of standard to any other, um, Pokemon-powered individual. Uh, the healer, um, is just very good at healing, um, and made quick friends with, uh, a, a, um, a Blissey. That lives in this area. Blissey's also missing as well, which is even more, just as even, if not even more concerning, because um, Blissey never leaves the village. At least the healer does from time to time. Uh, but yeah, um, the uh, it just got very close with the Blissey until eventually uh, those two were just creating magic effect of healing people with diseases and problems that they themselves didn't even know existed. We have we have these sort of uh, regular checkups occasionally, and there have been way too many. Like a number of instances where the healer or Blissey are able to find some sort of problem, disease, uh, issue with somebody that they themselves didn't even know existed. And as a result, um, just was able to take advantage of that. Was, uh, take advantage is the wrong word of that. Take, took advantage of their skills, so to say, to really help out and build this community up. The healer's been here, oh, since I was a kid, maybe. And as a reminder, uh, Io's in their early 20s i would say mid 20s somewhere in that range yeah so uh i think i think that's probably the best yeah 20ish not 20ish maybe like 25 or somewhere in that range uh, so so they've been very important to this, this community especially since you know these abilities are rare and healers help not just us but everybody in natri city the fact that they're gone means that a lot of these issues that are popping up out of nowhere and i think part of that is looks around a bit due to all of the natural disasters and stuff uh, a part of that is just, you know, because of those, and at least the healer will be able to help us, but it's not helping. I see. Okay. Uh, perhaps there... I was going to suggest that maybe somebody else could become a healer, but I doubt you would be able to do it in 24 hours. Yep. At this point, trust me, I've done a lot of research. And she kind of taps on all the books under on the table. Uh, but a healer is something that takes 20 years to get to, much less 20 hours. So, what's the solution now? I think the representatives are sort of with the idea that... Look, I apologize. We co we called you in, I mean, to see if you could help us immediately, but we understand that it's probably not likely. Uh, even Bevan, <laughs> stubborn as he may be, will have to eventually... Eventually what? We're gonna have to leave town. You're gonna leave? But the Atri City has so much history, so much culture! We're starting to really get our noises up the library, and kind of gives us a look of like, come on, bro. Uh, and we get back to where you're whispering. Oh, but the city has so much history. I mean, the people themselves, they're fine with it? Well, some people have been informed about all the disasters, but at the very least, most people know that there's at least something up with their specific district, if not maybe one of the others. I think Atri City as a whole is sort of convinced we, we're going to have to leave. In fact, I think I'll tell you this because you probably need to know. Uh, we're probably leaving tomorrow night. I see. I'm... I'm sorry I couldn't help more. No, it's fine. And, and if if you're even able to help out one of the issues, um, at the very least, we could all theoretically move into that area. But we're likely to leave and take as much as we can and start somewhere anew. What would what would you suggest? I'm sorry. What? How would you? I know you were in the past, but how would you? How would you look for the healer? I mean, it's hard. It seemed to have vanished without a trace, really. I suppose. Um, Get a good finder, I guess? I'm not sure how that would help. Get a good finder? Sure, just somebody that's really good at finding things, but that's about as far as I can help you with here. I really don't know where they could be. I appreciate the conversation. Um, I'll leave you to it, though. I have to start shifting my focus, I guess. And uh, Io sort of shifts away her books, grabs one off the shelf that's uh, weirdly titled, like, how to get out of town as quickly as possible. <laughs> like, something, something very 
like abandoned ship like and uh we've got to just give a nod and walk out of the library that's the end of the night here and the end of day two <laughs>